0: praise your name, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your gracious mercy towards us. We thank you for your word to instruct us in the way. We pray that you give us willing hearts and open hearts to heed your instruction and to walk therein. Give us your grace to and spiritual understanding to, to understand, understand your spiritual truths. In Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Our topic for this it is is from 2 Chronicles 25 and 2 Kings 14, uh, they overlap, uh, telling the story of Amaziah, the king of Judah, we looked a little bit about him uh, last week, we we'll get to part two this week. So again, where we are on the chart here, Amaziah, king of Judah, so the southern kingdoms, line of David, and his father was Joash, who was that boy who became king at seven years of age. And so now Amaziah uh, follows him. Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse one. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's good. But not with a loyal heart. Do I why I adds that on there, right? Eh? What that's all about. So a little review, Amaziah, verse 11, Amaziah strengthened himself and leading his people, he went to the Valley of Salt and killed 10,000. Don't join yourselves, I'm equally yoked with that. Principally uh, teaching that. And uh, Amaziah has a little problem with that. I already paid for them, we'll lose the money. And, uh, but he decides to follow God and he commits to doing it, sends them all home and he goes to battle and he wins the battle strengthens himself, goes down this valley of salt, down the Dead Sea. So you says see a valley of salt, so I wonder if the sea was even there at that point. Um, so let's take some pictures, it. and then it takes 10,000 of, of them and throws them off of a rock. And so this is a, a rock that I found inside the Dead Sea, and you can see of it, half of it is all salt crystals. It's just crystallized, this rock, it just had salt all over it. It grew from to the Valley of Salt. We can see where it gets its name. The Dead Sea is three times saltier than the ocean. So, it's very, very salty and that's why you uh, can't sink there. You can float basically right on top of the water. You can stand in 20 feet of water and, and, and be standing straight up in the water, be uh, up, up to here. And you know, arms out of the water and I'm going to kick your feet or tread water or anything, you'll just bob there. Uh, it's a it's pretty amazing feeling. Um, have all four feet out, two feet and now arms out of, the, out of the water and still be floating, uh, pretty weird experience. So it's all that salt down there. So, so again, it says in the Valley of Salt. So uh, this is a picture of, they've got the water on the bottom, the Dead Sea, and this is our rendition of Engedi, which is right on the Dead Sea. And you can see how steep it is, right? So they've got this flat plateau and then these steep cliffs. And so they took them up to one of these areas and through 10,000 of them off, that's an aerial photo of the same thing. That's still in Getty. And so you've got the Dead Sea down here, which again was a valley of salt. Um, you can see along the bottom edge of the water here the, the white crystallizing of the salt. And today, the Dead Sea is evaporating because it's not getting much water from the Jordan River and Israel's been in a drought for almost 10 years now. And uh, so the water has receded tremendously, very, very, very far. Uh, And again, you can see how flat it is on top of La plateau, and then just steep cliffs right down to the Dead Sea. And uh, and then this here is uh, along the left-hand side. That's the same cliffs that we were just looking at from, from over the Dead Sea. That's the Dead Sea to the right. Down along the left is those cliffs again, running along the Dead Sea. And then this right here in the middle, that's Masada. And so that could have been the rock that they brought 10,000 of them up and just tossed them off. And again, you can see, you got tossed off that. Uh, it's steep and straight, and you, you know, wouldn't have a chance uh, of living. And, um, so, so that's the area, this Valley of Salt, fighting with the Edomites, who would be right across from the Dead Sea. And, um, and so one of these areas, one of these rock holds, one of these strongholds, they brought them up and, and threw them off of and won that battle. And that's where we'll pick up the story to today. After Amaziah, David, help me out there if something's wrong with Okay, thank you. After Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, he brought the gods of the people of Seir and set them up to be his gods. And bowed down before them and burned incense to them. So this is where it gets to. He, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Brings these gods, he just defeated them, their gods didn't do them any good, didn't help them, and he brings these things, he's worshipping the, the only true God, the, the invisible God, the, the God of the heaven and the earth, the creator, the one who delivered us out of Egypt, and he goes and he gets these little statues that are man-made things. Sets them up and bows down to them. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah and he sent him a prophet, doesn't give us his name, who said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? Why does God send him the prophet? Because he loves him. Because he loves him, that's right. He loves Amaziah and he's not going to let him just go down and, and, you know, just, just Apart from him easily, so he sends messages, he sends his messages of love, he tries to draw him back, tries to awaken his logic, tries to awaken his conscience, and draw him back to God. God is ever at work, the living God is alive. And he sees what's going on, and he's angry, he's upset at this. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want to lose that Messiah, he doesn't want to lose his people, and so he sends a prophet to give him a message, a message of rebuke, a message of of entreaty to come back to him. And the king said, have we made you the king's counselor? Cease! Why should you be killed? So the prophet ceased and said, totally ceased, he got a last word in here, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. Strong words, every words. Don't mess with God. He's the one who gave you the victory and he can take that victory away. And that's what that other prophet last week told him. God can give you, you know, you want to go with those, take those other men with you, take the 100,000 with you that, you know, from northern Israel, you can go, but God won't be with you. God can give you victory or God can cause you to fall. So it's basically the same message. And that's God's message for us as well today. God is God. He is the true God. He is the one who gives victory. He is the one who allows defeat. Victory, success, prosperity, under God's direction, under what God calls for us, or what God chooses to give to us, is in His power. The ability to think, the ability to do, the ability to, to reason. All that God gives us is from Him. All that we are able to do comes from God. Amen. And if we depart from him, we will cut ourselves off from that life source and be destroyed. Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice. Doesn't tell us who he'd asked advice from. It obviously wasn't from his prophet. It obviously wasn't from God. That's where he should have gone. He asked advice and then he sent to Joash, the king of Israel. Saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. <laughs> so he's departed from the true God who gave him the victory. He's now got these other gods that he's bowing down to. He's not listening to God's advice. He's getting some other advice that suits his pride. And he starts to pick a fight with the with northern Israel. <laughs> It could be maybe he's upset that those 100,000 that left him from Israel that he sent away when they were leaving, they went through Judah and killed 3,000 people and plundered a whole bunch of stuff to make their trick worthwhile, I guess they felt. And so maybe he's trying to get back at that, I don't know, but he tries to go to war against them. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, give your daughter to my son as wife. So he does this little parable, right? This little thistle says to a big cedar, I want to... I want to marry your wife. I want I want your, you know, to join in marriage. I want my, your daughter to marry my son as wife. It's this is unequally yoked type of a setting here, kind of like the message that the prophet gave him before. He's also saying, "You're just a little thistle. I'm a big cedar. Don't mess with me. You don't have any right coming to me. We're no match at all. We're not even on the same plane." Then he says, "And a wild beast." trampled the thistle. I mean, this king of Israel, he's not following God, but God has given him a prophetic message here. Don't mess with with God, with with Israel. You're not up for it. You're not following God. God's not going to give you victory. A beast, a wild beast is going to trample you. Don't mess with the cedar, is what he's saying. Don't mess with me. You say that you have defeated the Edomites and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay home. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall and Judah with you? Again, this is a message that's coming to him. Even though Joshua, the king of Israel, is not following God, God is speaking through this means. Warning him. What are you got to go to war for? What do you want to do that? Why mess with us? I not messing with you. Don't mess with us. Leave it alone. Looking for peace. I want peace with you. Not looking for trouble. Just because you want a battle doesn't mean you're king of the universe. Pride gets lifted up. Doesn't need God anymore. God gave him the victory. Now he can just take his own idols. Ones that he can control. He can put it here. He can put it there. He doesn't, it doesn't talk to him. It doesn't rebuke him. It doesn't say anything bad to him. Kind of like a no different today, right? People like their own little choosing. Like, you know, I want to listen. I want this to be my leader. It doesn't talk to me. It doesn't rebuke me. It doesn't say anything bad to me. It says peace and safety. I like that idol. I'll put that up on my little piano here. And, uh, and so we like what appeases us of our own making, our own deso- devo- devisings. We'll pick and choose out of the Bible the sections we like the best. You know? Love is kind. Love is merciful. Love is, you know, Long suffering. We study on that and some of the other chapters. We'll avoid. I wanted to hear that, I want to listen to that. We make our own little idols, and pick and choose. That's what he's done. God tells him, God sent the man of God to say, Don't, you don't need them. You lose that money, but that's okay. You'll win the battle. He didn't like having a God coming around telling him what to do. Today we've got a term for that. It's so popular in the world today, they've even labeled a term for that kind of thinking. It's called postmodernism. Postmodern. They don't want anyone telling them what to do. No authorities, no rights, no wrong, everything's good. Everything, you got your way, I got my way. We're okay, you're okay, I'm okay. It's all okay, <laughs> peace, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's nice. And uh, there's no authority, the Bible's not an authority, God's not authority. You can interpret it your way. I can interpret it my way, and uh, just have our own God. But there's all we're all coexisting together, and we're all going to the same place. And you can call them one thing. I can call them another thing, and you know you can describe them another way. And it doesn't matter. We all go to the same place. All dogs go to heaven. You know it's all just good. It's all just wonderful. And says so what he liked. He didn't like thee prophet coming to him and telling him send those guys back. He didn't like the man of God coming and saying don't follow those idols serve God turn back from that get back on track. He didn't like being told anything. He's the king. He's in charge of his own domain. Now we all think we're kings. No one can tell us what to do. No authority. No God our own little makings of our own gods of our own creation <coughs> and we say well God would never do that God would never require that but well, the Bible says yeah but that, that you know not today anyway not my God not the God I've created in my mind man, man wrote the Bible and so that could be wrong or that was for then you know and so we make our own gods our own little items God demonstrated. You know, you gave him the victory in that war. Paid out all that money, but God blessed. And he made it back. As the prophet said, you'll have more than enough. I remember one time I was with a friend and, and uh, became a believer. And I was uh, a believer for a little while. And one time we were visiting together. And, and I don't know, we went to his garage and he had these, this stack of, of all these bottles of, of vodka. You know, liquor, hard liquor. And he said, that was from before I, uh, before I became a believer, but I can't get around to get rid of it because I spent so much money on it. <laughs> so he talked about it a little bit, what do you think God would have you to do, what are you gonna do with it, you know? And he said, well, I can't sell it, you know, I couldn't sell it, I don't want someone else to go down the path that I was and, and, and you know, and uh, destroy their brain cells, and so I, I don't know what to do with it, you know, and so next morning he decided, I'm going to get rid of this. And uh, he went out on the curb and he, there was a sewer there. And he started pouring it down the sewer, one bottle after another. These people across the street, they had a party the night before, and these people came storing out. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so better get rid of this stuff. You know, it cost some money. Right? And that was the message in, at that time. Amaziah was doing good. He listened to the man of God. And God blessed him. Yes, he lost something, you know, because he had to send that army back. He shouldn't have messed with that army to begin with. God gave him the victory over the Edomites and the plunder that they received from that. God was blessed. And then he decided to go his own way, his own path. Not listen to the gods of his forefathers, the God of David and Solomon, and of his father, also with Joash. He went his own way. Following these idols that he picked up along the way. His own device. But God is still speaking to him, through the man of God, and now through this other king, warning him, don't come to war. Does he listen? Amaziah would not heed, for it came from God that he might give him into the hand of their enemies, because they sought the God of Eden. He's not giving up his gods, and so God is just releasing him. That's the path you want to go? I'll step back. I'll let you find out for yourself what it's like to try and fight a battle without me. I'll let you try and live life without me. If that's what you want, go ahead, try it out. See what it's like. I've tried it. You know many of us here have tried it? Or all of us here have tried it? It's not a happy course. Some people try and do it and try and do both, you know, do a little bit of God and a little bit, of, and that's what he's trying to do, right? A little bit of God. have my own God. So trying a little bit of this and my own strength. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Chapter 25, verse 21. Second Chronicles still. Joash, king of Israel, went out and faced Amaziah, king of Judah, at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled from his tent or to his tent. So his whole army leaves him. Amaziah's army leaves him. The king of Judah, the, the tribe of Judah, the army of Judah leave. They run home. They go home. They're defeated, and they just disperse. Amaziah is just left there. So Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, and brought him to Jerusalem. And broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate about 600 feet. That's a lot of wall to knock down. I mean, they didn't need to knock down that much wall. He's angry. He's like, you know what? I, I told you not to come. I told you don't mess with me. I warned you. And goes, that's two football fields. That's a big hole. That's going to take a long time to repair that hole. They just open up that whole city to anyone who wants to come in. They'll march his whole army through that size of a hole. Go and take whatever they want and walk back out with it. 600 feet. So they got the king. They got him hostage. They bring him down to Jerusalem. (laughs) Probably had the men of Judah knock down the wall for them. You knock it down or it will kill your king. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of God, the treasures of the king's house, and hostages, and returned to Samaria. As one person said, how's that working for you? You know, how's that working for you, King King Amaziah? How's those gods serving you? How are they working for you? What was better when you were serving God when you did what was right in the sight of the Lord, or following these other ways, following this your own plans, your own device. Didn't work too good. And Amaziah the son of Josiah, king of Judah, lived fifteen years after Josiah, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. So he outlives the son of the king fifteen years, reigns twenty-nine years. In verse 27, after Amaziah turned away from following the Lord. So he was following the Lord. But he says he was following the Lord. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And then he turned from following the Lord. The only way you can turn from something is if you were doing it originally, right? So he was following the Lord and he turned from following the Lord. Follow these idols. And they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. Well, not surprising. <laughs> he goes to war against his army that he was told not to go to war with. He knocked down 600 feet of your wall. I can understand the people being upset. Them taking hostages. Them taking hostages. So they're upset, and so they conspire against him. And he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. And then they buried him, uh, brought him on horses, and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. Ah. Now, Lachish, or Lachish, and Lachish—I think it's not Lachish—is uh, down near Gaza, still part of Judah. Um, it was a big fortified city, and I guess he felt that uh, it was fortified to protect them, I guess, from the Philistines. Um, We'll read about that more in the Bible. Uh, Actually, you have a friend who's uh, leading a a group this summer to go and do an archaeological dig in uh, Lachish, if if anyone wants to go. Uh, It's been a few weeks in Israel digging dirt, Uh, an interesting uh, thing to do. So they're still searching it out, they're still digging, they're still looking for things there at that site. So he runs to that city, because he finds that they'll be loyal to me there, and I'll be able to be protected by these walls. It's up on a hill as well. And this double-tiered wall, an outer wall, and then an inner wall, and fairly well protected. So he runs there. But the people there, God is not with him. And thus, he's exposed himself and he's opened himself up. So they go down there, they hunt for him there, and they find him there, and they kill him there. Sad, isn't it? Someone had... Was on the right path had the right instruction at time listened to the man of God and then turned from it sad ending to a king who had such potential or from a father who had such potential and a leader like Jehoiakim the, the high priest at the time and then Zechariah after him and he turns from it. Gets executed, killed by his own people. It does say he's buried in the city of David, which could indicate that maybe he repented before, while he was there in Lachish, before he died. But maybe not. (laughs) It's interesting that the people have mercy on him and buried him in the city of David. They didn't do that with his father. So even though they conspired and had him killed, they still bury him in the city of Judah. Buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. Back to verse 1. Amaziah was 29 years old when he became king. reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, we don't know how long, but not with a loyal heart. sad to be remembered that way. Do we want that written on our tombstone? Would we want that said at our funeral? Did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. God is looking for people who will love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. Totally committed, totally sold out for God. Not with a half hearted, not with a not loyal with their hearts. God's looking for loyalty. God's looking for faithfulness. God's looking for people who love Him and serve Him and follow Him 24 hours, seven days a week, fully committed to Him. Not one day a week for a couple hours, not every so often, not when it's convenient, not when it's sunny outside, not fair weather believers. Not when the wind is blowing in our back and things are going good. But all the time. In good times and in bad, trusting the Lord and serving Him as God and God alone. Not the gods of this world, not the gods of mammon and money, not the gods of selfishness, not the gods of pleasure, not the gods of gluttony and drunkenness. Not the gods of the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. So we're all subject to the same things he was disappointment over loss, pride, wanting to do our own thing, wanting to continue with our own plans regardless of whatever anyone else says. Pride is a very. Pride cometh before a fall. Very subtle, very deceiving. Lifts us up, thinks we're okay. Win a battle, gain a victory. Do some good things. Get some compliments. Very subtle to then take the credit to ourselves. We don't want to end it being written about us, but not with a loyal. God so loves us, God has given his whole heart to us. God has committed himself to humanity. He could have written us off, he created us, he could have easily created another planet. No doubt God's been around a long time, no doubt He created other things long before us. Could have created other things. Didn't need us, didn't need humanity. Kiss it, sorry Adam, sorry Eve, you blew it, gave you a chance. Next, who's in line next, you know? create another one. You could have done that. But he's committed himself. He committed himself totally, wholeheartedly to us. He commits his angels to our care. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. His eyes are always upon us. He calls us the the apple of his eye. Pupil in your eyes. Anything comes out of are so quick to blink and so quick to protect our face, protect our eyes. God looks at us that way, that everlasting love that he has for us. And to redeem us and to save us and to free us from our natural pride, from our natural lust, from our natural inclination, from our natural selfishness, from our natural insecurities, He sent his own son. He came down in the flesh. Left his godly throne and came down to partake of human nature. To know what it's like to be one of us and to be one with us. To identify with us. Fully committed to us for all eternity. To come and to be rejected as we are. To be tempted in all ways as we are. To suffer for us. And then to become our substitute and to receive our punishment that we deserve. God has sent us warnings and God has sent us messages. God has sent us blessings and God has sent us rebukes. God has allowed calamities and God has allowed tremendous good to come into our lives. All with the purpose because he loves us. All with the purpose to get our attention. All with the purpose to wake us up. God allowed what happened to Amaziah because he was hoping after he loses the battle, he didn't let him die in battle. After the battle with, with the king of Israel, hopefully he'd wake up. After he sees 600 of his feet of his wall get knocked down, he'd wake up. After he sees all his treasures get taken, he'd wake up. After a conspiracy takes place in his own kingdom, he'd wake up. The Bible doesn't tell us if he did or didn't. May we wake up. Signs in the world all around us are yelling, wake up, wake up, wake up. Every day there's new fulfillment of prophecies taking place in the world. Major jumps are taking place every single day, it seems. Waking us up to we are to get ready. The end is near. We're almost home. Don't give up now. Don't look back now. God has given his whole heart to us. The most precious commodity he's given to us. And he asks for our own benefit that we give ourselves to him with a loyal heart, with a complete heart to serve him, to surrender everything that's not of him. Surrender everything that's not of his word. Because he wants only good for us. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to feel fulfilled. He wants us to experience his purpose in our lives. He wants us to experience the joy of the Lord. He wants us to have the peace that passes understanding that we can be peace, have peace even if we're... As we read about... Rabbi Paul thrown into a dungeon, falsely accused, and praising God all night long. And we can have that kind of peace, that kind of presence of God that only comes with having a new heart, that only comes with changing the place with Messiah, allowing Him to take our death, allowing Him to take our curse, allowing Him to take our carnal nature and receiving of Him His nature, of receiving from Him His righteousness, of receiving of Him of His thoughts, His mind, His very heart. Of allowing God to write His law into our hearts and into our minds. And allowing God's Holy Spirit to compel us in His way. To humble ourselves, to listen to Him. To be willing to listen to Him. To be willing to listen to His Word, To be willing to listen to His prophets that He has sent to us. To be willing to heed His corrections. To be willing to allow Him to change us from our plans to His plans in full surrender to trying to wake us up and get us ready for this end time. Because as Yeshua said, will the Son of Man return? Will he find faith on the earth? Will he find loyal hearts on the earth? I believe he will, because I, I believe he won't come until he does. He won't come until He has people who are loyal to Him, regardless if they threaten or you won't be able to buy, you won't be able to sell, you won't be able to be part of the group, you're going to be, will be denounced, will be cast down, will be thrown aside as little thistle against the cedars. And The wild beast will threaten to trample us. will be loyal to God regardless. God is our God and we will serve him regardless. As Queen Esther said, I perish, I perish, I perish. As Daniel's friends, Mishael, Hananiah, Mishael said, you can throw us into the fire furnace, we will not bow down to you. Our God is able to deliver us. And even if he does not we will not bow down to you. A loyal heart. That's what God's looking for kings and people with loyal hearts. No guile in their mouths. Fully surrendered, fully emptied of self, fully filled with his spirit. That he'll be able to walk us right into heaven like he did with Enoch. That's what he's looking for. That's what he wants. And that's why God has given us the story and wrote that line so that we can see the difference between those who served God with a loyal heart and those who didn't. Thus we can look into the mirror and allow God's word to reveal to us whether we are serving him with a loyal heart or not. Are we serving ourselves? Are we serving the things of this world? Or are we serving him? As we pray to God tonight, you know, and our heart has lots of compartments to it. So we might be serving God with a loyal heart in certain areas, but God wants the whole heart. Complete loyalty. And so as we pray tonight, God's revealed something in your mind, in your heart, some area of disloyalty to Him, some area where you're not fully committed to Him, some area where you're not fully sold out for Him, some area where you're not fully walking in His Word. Any area where there's disobedience. Any area where you're resisting the word of God. Any area where you're resisting the prophet of God that's come with a message to us. Any area from his scriptures that we surrender it and be fully surrendered to him. That it might be written about us in the books of heaven. They served God with a loyal heart. They did what was right in the sight of the Lord. They are my children. They have my name written on their minds. So we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful that you have committed yourself to us completely and fully. We're thankful that you love humanity. We're thankful that you love each one of us. Lord, give us that kind of love. Give us that kind of burden. Give us a love for you and a love for our fellow human beings. And Lord, we want to surrender to you. Convict us. Show us any area in our life that's not in harmony with you. And lead us in the way everlasting. Search us and try us. And see if there be any wicked way in us. And cleanse us through your son. Cleanse us through your sacrifice. Cleanse us through your atonement. Cleanse us through the blood. offered in our behalf. And fill us with your righteousness. Fill us with your holiness. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your glory and may you shine out of us in Yeshua's holy name.